All right, the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about Christmas. We have four Sundays to go before Christmas shows up. I entitled this series Christmas 316, and you can probably figure out that, well, if you look at your bulletin, you can figure out real fast. We're going to do Christmas through John 316, and here's why. Christmas has always been a, a strange time of year for me. I love Christmas time. I remember, it's probably about this same, same weekend after Thanksgiving as a kid, we would sit down at the kitchen table and we'd, we'd make our list of everything we wanted for Christmas. And when I was a kid, it was rocks and sticks. That was all they had out there. And I, and I remember writing my note, Dear Santa, I've been really good this year. Can I please have? And my list included like the Hulk Hogan WrestleMania ring, the, the Tonka trucks, uh, a dog, you know, all sorts of things. And I'd, I'd seal my envelope to Santa, North Pole, take it to the post office. And it was so exciting. And you'd just wait all season. And my parents, you know, make sure you're being good because you don't want to lose your gifts this year. And it was just fun. And we'd go and we'd get a tree. And, and you know, I remember tree shopping. It was, my dad would walk into the lot, I want this tree. And my mom would say, well, I don't know. Let me look around. And my sister and I would never get lost and get yelled at. And we'd go home with a tree. And it was fun. We decorated. And then came Christmas Eve. And I love Christmas Eve, especially when I was younger. And my grandparents slept down in the basement. And my Aunt Thelma slept in the living room. And that was the spot. Because, see, that was where the tree was. And she had a job. Every, we put the, the cookies and the milk right in front of Aunt Thelma's face, who slept on the couch. And she had to stay awake to find Santa Claus. Oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. And every morning she let us down. She fell asleep, but, but he came and we were furious. And, and I remember, you know, we'd start getting up at four in the morning and my dad at four in the morning, you know that monster people think lives in the, he lived in my house. And we'd scurry back to our rooms and my sister and I would be looking through our, you know, doors at each other and we'd try to come out and you couldn't make it. And then finally you hear my grandpa come up from downstairs, probably 5.30 in the morning at this time. And we'd get to run down, and we could get one gift before. It was just so much fun. I love Christmas. Here's what bothers me about Christmas. I grew up as a Jewish kid, right? We, we had all the accoutrements of the Christmases I've been around since I came to faith around people who are Christian. As a kid, I always wondered. I was smart. I shouldn't say that past tense. I am smart. Does that sound better? <laughs> and I knew to keep my mouth shut because if you push too much, you might get, well, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, no gifts for you. So I kept my mouth shut. But it always seemed odd to me as a kid that, that this Jewish family was celebrating the birth of Jesus. No? And as I got older, it got worse in my mind because we used to have to huff the Christmas tree out the back door until the day they picked it up. Because everyone in our neighborhood was Jewish. And it looked really awkward to put your Christmas tree out front when no one else had the Christmas tree. They were all at the movies and Chinese food on Christmas, in case you ever wondered what the Jewish people do. So we put it in the back of the house, and we pulled it around. And I was always like, shouldn't we just put it out front and be proud of our Christmas, right? But we kept it in back until the day of. But it was always weird for me. And, and then I came to faith. And it got even stranger. Because I'm a why guy. I want to know the why. why. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And as I go to Christmases on the other side of the family with people who love Jesus, do you know what stories they had to tell? Aunt Thelma didn't sleep at their house, but they had other people sleep at their house. And 
they wrote the letters as kids, and they had people dress up in the Santa costumes and bring the gifts and decorate the tree and make the cookies and all the fun stuff. And I'm not saying it's not fun, but here's what I want to do this year. I want to peel back some layers of Christmas. I want to clean some of the junk we might have gotten crusted on it over the years and see why we do what we do and what Christmas is really about. That first candle is perishing, and here's the kicker. If I explain that candle to someone that doesn't love Jesus, I have ruined Christmas for them completely. You know what I have to say to them? You know that tree? It's got nothing to do with nothing. You know the gifts? You know the guy who comes down the chimney? You know all the stuff and the lights and the cookies? It's pointless. And then their Christmas is going to look like. But when I explain that light to people that love Jesus, the tree, the gifts, the lights, the music, the fun, it's just, it just adds on to the most wonderful holiday you can possibly celebrate, second only to Easter. We're going to talk about perishing. And I wanted to do it from a traditional Christmas passage. I wanted to talk about Mary, maybe, and when the angel came to Mary, or Joseph, who was having a rough time because his betrothed was pregnant, and he didn't know what to do, and he was going to quietly you know, divorce her, but the angel came to Joseph, or I could even go John the Baptist, right? I mean, that's a good story leading up. you got the baby leaping in the womb. you got the shepherd. There are so many passages, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out which one to do for Christmas. And it keeps coming into my head. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God, that's great. I've got to figure out what I'm preaching for Christmas. So maybe we'll go with the wise man or, or even Herod after the fact. Or, or the end is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, fine, God, but listen, it's Christmas. I've got to have something glitzy and fun and, and uplifting and exciting. And then I thought, oh. You see, there are four parts that I see in John 3.16. And we're going to look at those over the next three weeks and today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We're going to start with our standing. I'm going to start with this concept of perishing. And you're going to see why that is the foundation of what makes this holiday so awesome. Next week, I'm going to talk about love. Sounds like a better Advent calendar or candle, doesn't it? We're going to talk about what that means that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. The third week, we're going to talk about our responsibility. That whoever believes in him, what that means, what that looks like, why that is an incredible thing. And lastly, on the last Sunday before Christmas, I'm going to unpack, hopefully, the ultimate gift you could fathom called eternal life. Four weeks in John 3.16. Today we're going to start with the perishing. Last night I was trying to work my way around this sermon and, and glitz it up and positive up. But folks, let's do this. You will spend the next, what do we have, 28 days till Christmas? You will be inundated with happy, happy, joy, joy, okay? You will, you, will have the, you will have an inability to not smile when you see the lights and eat the cookies and get the cards and mail the cards and do all the fun stuff that comes with Christmas, okay? But today I want to have a perspective check. I want to put it in proper perspective so the smile can be a lasting smile, so the joy can be an eternal joy. And the only way to do that is by understanding perishing. 
Here's what Laura and I decided we're going to do this year. Our Christmas card. Each year we, we do a picture of the kids. Well, this year we're doing a picture of a dead body. And we're going to write, Merry Christmas. Hope you're not perishing. You don't have to. Merry Christmas. Isn't that awesome? We're not really doing that. I might if Laura had no say in the matter, but it'll be another picture of the kids dressed up pretty. Merry Christmas, love the trips. But I thought, isn't that kind of what Christmas is all about? A dead body that was perishing, that was doomed for an eternity of perishing that didn't have to be. What's perishing? Stick with me a little bit here. I'll get this on the upswing at the end. Stick with me a little bit. What's perishing about? Am I... Am I going a little over the top here? I mean, am I making a, a mountain out of a molehill? This perishing thing. I mean, doesn't that sound all depressing? It's Christmas time. I mean, love, 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 joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Those are fruits of the Spirit. Forget that. Love, joy, peace. Those sound better, right? Goodwill towards man, peace on earth. This is what it's all about. It is. But it starts with perishing. Can I share with you a couple of the most uplifting Bible verses you'll ever come across as a Christian? but the ones that would scare the boots off you if you weren't. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. This is talking about the judgment of Christ. Tell me how this one sounds. How's this sit, right? It says, talking about the Lord Jesus being revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer punishment, the punishment of eternal destruction away from him, the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. I mean, come on. Who wrote this thing? That's over the top. How about Revelation 14.10? You see, here's another one of those just Christmas card verses. It says, If anyone worships a beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever received the mark of its name. I mean, really. If, if you want people to, to love Jesus, if you want people to Follow God. If you want people to come through that door, you don't, want, you don't want to talk about this stuff, do you? I mean, come on. Come on. Can't, can't we go, God loves you. He just loves He does. God loves you. He just wants to give you a big hug and have you sit on his lap and rub your back and just give you lots of stuff. Come and join us. Doesn't that sound better? But here's what I read time and time again, and here's the problem I have with Christmas for me as I've celebrated over the years with a lot of people. Christmas is a celebration because the reality of the worst nightmare you could imagine didn't have to happen to us. You know what an eternity in hell is? You know what perishing is all about? Think of the worst nightmare scenario you can in your mind. I mean the most painful, horrible, horrendous thing you can possibly think about. Okay? Got it? Magnify it a million times. Make it last forever. You've barely scratched the surface of an eternity separated from the love, grace, and mercy of God. Horrible, isn't it? I mean, I'm looking out there, I'm like, I am ruining Christmas. I'm not. You've got to stick with me. Do you understand how horrible that is? I mean, I, you can't fathom how horrible that would be. 
For the Christian, this life is as close as we'll ever get to hell. With all the problems we have and all the wonderful stuff as well, this is as close as you will ever get to hell. For the non-Christian, this is as close as they will ever get to heaven. You can't fathom, just as you can't fathom how wonderful heaven is, you can't fathom how horrible hell is. And that's where everybody's going. Because God was grumpy. And when he made everything, he had a bad day, and he just snapped, get out of my garden, you're all going to hell, you and all your offspring, that's it. Right? And then the rest of human history, Jesus came along, he's like, hey, Dad. He's like, what do you want? Dad, hey, Holy Spirit, come on over, fly over, help me out and talk to Daddy here. Daddy, what do you two want? The people. Don't you love them, God? Well, I do, but they're horrible. Oh, can't we fix them? Can I go and die for them? No, please. Fine. And then Jesus came down and was born, and God was like stomping all over heaven. Stinking kids. They're always ruining my plans. I hate these people. No. But see, what happened was, God made Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden, right? And he said, don't eat that. And what did they do? They ate that, and they got sick with a disease called sin. Now, I don't know, teenage kids don't know this, you have to get older. There's this thing in us called this rebellious nature, you know, like, you guys never want to disobey your parents. Like, you, you see something's wrong, you just, you disgust you. You don't want to do anything wrong. Well, adults, it's a little different, right? You guys have never done anything wrong. We have a sickness in us whereby God's law repulses us. We don't want to do it. In fact, we can't do it because we're self-focused. We want to be in the seat that God has, and we can't get ourselves out of it. In fact, it's so bad that God's law revealed to us in Scripture is a roadblock that keeps us separated from God because we can't keep it. On our own, we don't want to keep it. We can't keep it. We're eternally separated from God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. The reason we're perishing is because we have sinned. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. And God, being a perfect, loving, and just God, cannot allow imperfection into his midst. God doesn't sit in heaven scowling at people. God loves us. God is not a grumpy old man. God is a perfect deity. You know the parable, the prodigal? You're going to get to hear about that one in the upcoming weeks, because when we come out of Ezekiel, I'm thinking of going back into the parables for a bit, and that's one we're going to touch. Because we have to understand, and next week I'm going to unpack it for you a little more fully, the love of God. You see, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God had every right just to... Done. When you and I broke God's commandments just one time, that was it. God had every right to just smote us out. An eternity of separation from Him. You understand that. So if you're driving down the street drunk, and you run over a family of four, and they all die, if a judge is a good judge, he's going to say, I understand the extenuating circumstances. You just left church, and your pastor dumped a perishing sermon on you, and you were all down and out, and you got yourself drunk at a bar at 12 o'clock, and you drove home and killed a family. I understand, like it wasn't intentional, but you did it, and now you got to pay a price. And because I'm a just God, a just God, a just judge, I have to enforce the law. There's nothing you can do at that point, is there? Well, folks, you and I were driving drunk with sin all through life, making a giant mess along the way. And because of that, we're perishing. You got that? And then something happened. And then this, here's, here's, where, here's where we make the turn. You guys ready? We hit the valley, we're going up. From here on out, the next four weeks, we're going up. 
That was it. That's as bad as we get. And then something happened. This holiday came along. 2,000 years ago, some baby got put in his mama's belly in a strange and fascinating way. And on Christmas Day, we celebrate the fact that unto us a child was born, a son was given. You see, we were going to jail for a long, long time for some bad driving practices. And God loved us so much that because we were perishing, he decided to send his very own son to die for us. Do we really need to hear this? Do you guys really need to be brought down low to the valley of sorrow on Christmas? Well, I think you do, and here's why. And, and I think every non-believer needs to be brought down to that valley, too, to become a believer. I don't think. This isn't my opinion. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Let's start with a non-believer. I get sad at Christmas time when I go and visit with people celebrating Christmas who don't love Jesus. It's the saddest thing in the world. What other holiday can the devil gloat and dance over than people celebrating the birth of a man they deny as they're perishing for eternity? I mean, that's sad, isn't it? How sad to watch people smiling and laughing and giggling and opening gifts and eating food and dancing around and having a great day, missing the whole point that that day they're celebrating was because God so loved them and they just said, that's horribly sad. But the problem comes when we, ha when we go to share the good news of Christ, when we go to tell them the Christmas story, when we go to share with them what happened on Easter, you know what's really awkward and difficult to do and we often want to just put in the back pocket and avoid, just like I wanted to avoid this sermon? You see, it's great to tell people God loves you. It's great to tell people that, that God cares more about you than you can fathom. Now, people look at you like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, that's great, but I'm busy. But it's really difficult to tell them that you have a problem. You see, God does love you, but you're separated from God. But then this awesome holiday came around called Christmas. And you get to celebrate the end of Jesus' life on Easter. And this is really awesome. And if you think people act funny around you when you tell them that God loves them, wait till you tell them that they're separated from God based on their actions. But you understand this. A soft-pedaled gospel is the most dangerous thing you can sell. You know Bernie Madoff, the Ponzi scheme guy? Isn't that pretty wicked to steal all that money from people? Do you know what's far more wicked? To sell people a false gospel. To tell people that God loves them without telling them how he shows for them, his love for them. You see, while we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Wow. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lays down his life for his friends. Wow, that's a pretty stinking cool holiday. Perishing, that's where we were all supposed to be. But we're not going to. We got the gift, three more Sundays is a good one, of eternal life. I mean, you want to give some good news. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. Here's the amazing and difficult thing. Here's what makes... My, my vocation as a pastor, the most peaceful and frustrating thing simultaneously, and here's what should make your life as a Christian equally as peaceful and frustrating. You explain perishing to a person, apart from God working in the conversation, you will get this. 
All right, they may not hold that expression, but that's what's going on in their head. Do you know Jesus loves you? Uh huh. Do you know you're separated from God? <laughs> you know that you can have eternal life and, and live forever and, and live in a perfect relationship with Him? Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's all you're going to get. Because on our own, we can't open someone's eyes to the truth, and on their own, they can't open their own eyes to the truth. That's crazy talk. You can't market a person into the kingdom of God. You can market them into the seats out there, and I bet you if you sat me in a bunch of churches with a lot of people, they'd have about the same number when I was done today. Because people don't want to hear about perishing if they're really still perishing, but if they're not, well, now we got a party. And that's why the believer needs to hear this too. Don't know if you know this, but we get distracted sometimes in life, right? Focus? You see, I got lists. I, I got things to focus on. I got people. I got people to buy presents for, right? And I got to know what to get. I, I, I don't know. I got to I got to figure this out. And I got to coordinate with the in-laws and with the parents. And I got ants calling. And I can't take many more Legos into the house. The walls are going to fall down. So we got to think. And and then we got to get the tree. We got to figure out when we're getting the tree and where we're putting the tree and how we're dealing with the tree. And we're going to get some lights up. We're going to do the decorations. I make really good Swedish cookies, uh, butter cookies. I got to get that done. We got to figure out where we're going and when for the holiday. I got a lot going on, right? And then I got church stuff to do. And then I got the kids. I I got life going on around me. And before you know it, Christmas is gone. We need, we need, you and I who love Jesus sometimes to slow down, quiet our minds, to sit in the couch and let God take us to the somber places at times that make the peak so awesome. You see, Christmas is incredible. Christmas is a story of a dead person coming to life because a baby was born. But you understand that baby was born to die. It's a little bit of sadness, isn't that? Isn't there? That that God became a man. That he was born a, a little itsy bitsy cute cuddly baby. And there's where it is. We like cute cuddly Jesus, don't we? The one you can hold in the palm of your two hands. That you can put him down when you're tired. You can walk out of the room. But big, full-grown Jesus is a different story. The one who walked into the temple and flipped the tables. The one who says, apart from me, no one can come to the Father. I am the way and the truth and the life. The one who's going to come back to judge the world. Who's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That one gets a little bit more uncomfortable because, see, Jesus... We had a good Christmas thing going on back in the day. I mean, I don't know if it's because I was short or, or my parents were really rich when I was little and lost some money, but my piles used to be like yay high and yay wide. I could spend like three days, I'm exaggerating, I could, maybe, I could spend three days unpacking gifts. And, and you knew, you started with the stocking because it had like the, the low-end stuff, you know what I mean? Like a couple lotto scratch-offs and like gum and M&Ms and... You go through that. You don't want to end with that because that's just depressing. So you, you, you get warmed up. It's like stretching for your gifts. You go through the stock. You're like, oh, cool flashlight there. Can we get to that? Open your stocking. And then you move over. And, and there was always that giant thing. And, and my pa, he's the one who brought it in. And he'd be looking at it. And you're like, oh, that's where it's at. That's where Christmas is this year, baby. So you worked your way to that big one. And then you're pulling back the paper. And you're just like, Yeah. I love me some Christmas. It was great. And then Jesus comes along and he says to me, John, stop, 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 stop. Think about this. What's that tree have to do with me? 
I'll ask you that question. We have a tree in our house. I'm not a legalistic fuddy-duddy that says, you shall have no tree in your house and just sit and meditate upon your eternal perishing. Put the dang tree up. But ask yourself a question. Why is the tree there? I do that all the next four weeks. Be glad that you're not related to me. Because everyone I, I call had the first one last night. Won't say who it was. Why do you all have a tree in your house? This is what it sounded like. Uh, well, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just asking a serious question. Like, why do you have a tree? Well, you know, Baptist by back, oh, Baptist. Uh, I said, you ever think about it? Like, not really. I asked the kids this morning, why do we have a tree? I was curious what they would say. A little bit better on the answers. I won't share with you the answers. But folks, ultimately, it's got nothing on its own to do with Christmas. But it can. But it can if you understand perishing. The gifts. Why do you get... You know this is the only birthday when the birthday boy gets nothing and everybody else gets something. But we do gifts. Why? Why do we do gifts? Well, I could tell you why I do it. But can you tell me why you do it? There's certainly many answers. But if we're going to glorify God as we celebrate the birth of His Son, let's understand the perishing, so we understand the tree, and the lights, and the gifts. You see, God isn't the... God. God could look down on us on Christmas morning as, as kids scurry down the stairs. As... People like me who are large kids still look for that big box. My poor, my poor pa died many years ago, and he ain't sending no more boxes down. But I'm still looking. God delights in our celebration. God delights in us receiving and giving gifts. God, I think that God can delight over a big old tall dead green thing covered in lights and ornaments. If it's celebrating the fact that we were perishing, but now we are alive. But let's slow down. Let's let God take us to the valley of John 3.16. Let's sit there for a moment and think about the fact what Christmas is really all about. So as we come up and we go into life and we get busy, we can look at the stuff and ask a question and fall before God and say, God, help me see this as you want me to see it, not as the world tells me to see it. Because folks, on the surface it can look the same. Little Johnny Jewish boy from New York can have a Christmas that looks a whole lot alike as Pastor John on the surface. A lot of the same stuff. A lot of the same smiles. But underneath the surface, there's a big difference. You see, back then I wondered why. Today I know why. Back then I was lost. Today I'm found. Back then I was celebrating a bunch of stuff. And it was good stuff. But I was just celebrating a bunch of stuff. You know what I got for Christmas when I was eight years old? Can I tell you? I got no stinking idea. But you know what I got for Christmas last year? You know what I got for Christmas the year before and this year and next year and for eternity? I got the gift of eternal stinking life. And with that gift came a responsibility. And one of those came many responsibilities. And one of those is when Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations. Why does he tell me that? Because he loves everybody. He died so that everyone can have eternal life. And he says, John, Renee, Dan, everybody, 
I went away and now you got the Holy Spirit. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to work through you to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. How that's going to work in and through your life, you got to trust me, follow, and find out. But you need to go out. And we say, but Jesus, you're going to ruin it for me. He says, I ain't going to ruin it for you. I'm going to make it so much better than you can believe. You see, I didn't think Christmas could get any better than eight-year-old little Johnny Jewish boy Christmas. It was awesome. It, I mean, heck, I was, part of me wants to go back. It was cool. It was free, and it was fun. But Christmas is a whole lot better now. A whole lot better now. I can't even explain to you how infinitely better it is. Because I was perishing, but now I have eternal life. Well, I still struggle with the other 364 days because if I walk in obedience to Christ, he just might screw it all up. And I'm reminded time and time again that he knows what he's talking about. That sometimes you've got to go down in a valley so you can come up. Sometimes you've got to be refined. Sometimes it gets a little scary. Sometimes the waves get a little rough. But each and every time, he comes through. He was born as a baby. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb and he rose from the dead. Merry Christmas. I mean, can you get something any better than that? Now, you can ice the cake many different ways, but there's the foundation of the cake. And you and I get to go out and share the good news of the cake and trust that God will work. I read this morning talking about the Horner Bible reading plan. And this isn't in here, so I may be way off base. I don't think I am. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus was in Nazareth. And we're told that Jesus was unable to perform wonders and miracles because of the people's lack of belief. Here's a question I want to leave you with today. I believe, I know you believe, but we've got to ask God to help us with our unbelief. What types of things would God do through us? Does God want to do through us? if we would just more fully believe. I gave one of the cards this weekend to my, last week to my neighbor. I look at that family. There ain't no way. There, there is no way that, that they're ever going to walk through that door. There is no way they're ever going to come to faith or walk through any church door. It's impossible. See, that, that's old Johnny talking. The new one is, has about this. Well, well God... I don't see it, but I know you love them, and I know that you call me to go and, and tell them what's so awesome about Christmas. So I'm going to take this uncomfortable step of, of giving them this card, because they already think we're crazy enough. I'm going to give them this card, and I'm going to say, hey, why don't you all come and join us? Why, why don't you come and hear what's so awesome about Christmas? And yesterday, I, I saw them again for the first time after they got the card. And, and can I be honest with you? There's a bit of awkwardness when, when you, you're wondering, what the heck are they thinking? Are, are they in the, oh, they're the freaky trips. They're the over-the-top Christian folks. Ooh, we love Jesus. Like, I'm wondering what's going through their mind. But if I understand who Jesus is and how much he loves me and, and who owns this life and how much he cares for me, well, I don't really care what they think. Do I? Should I? Because I got some awesome news. And if they want to laugh at me and mock me, they didn't do that because I have a large dog and I'm beaten. No, I'm kidding. If they want to laugh at me and mock me, I got to be okay with that because if it's because of Jesus, I got to be singing in the penitentiary like the apostles of old, don't I? Because I understand how awesome it is. Let me stop here before I wear your ears out. Folks, four Sundays. Number one, took you to the valley of perishing. 
It's pretty awesome, isn't it? You understand how cool that is? Look at your list. Look at what you want this year. Think of the best thing you could possibly get. Okay? Now think infinitely grander. Eternal, stinking life that you didn't deserve because a baby came and was born to die for you because God so loved you. That's pretty awesome, no? That's what makes Christmas merry. That's the reason for the season. Now put up the tree, put the lights on, decorate it to the ten, to the nines. Go out and buy the gifts. Have fun with it. Shout Merry Christmas. Don't put the dead body on your car because that will freak people out and land you in jail. Don't do that. But send out the cards and tell people Merry Christmas and then, when, and then be praying, God, I have a mask. God, work through me. And they say to you, why are you so happy at Christmas? Get the grin and tell them a little bit about the perishing. And then next week I'll tell you about the rest of the stuff. John 3.16 is what it's all about, folks. But it starts in the valley of perishing. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray for all of us this Christmas season. I pray that you would guide us through, that you would give us your perspective, that you would really make this a, a, a wonderful, joyful, uh, amazing time of year for us. Help us enjoy all the accoutrements that, that we can place on it, but help us have the foundation right. Help us understand the, the cake upon which the world puts some icing. Help us enjoy. Help, help us not feel like we need to avoid everything. Help us, help us partake of, of the fun stuff. Help us enjoy the trees and the gifts and the lights and the family and the food and, and all that fun stuff. But Lord, help the fun stuff not take the place of the truth and the way and the life. God, give us some moments during this season to reflect upon the reality of our sin and separation from you and how much you loved us and what you did for us, and what Christmas is all about. Help us smile when we think about that little baby who was born onto us. But help us realize that little baby wasn't just cute and cuddly. That's God in the flesh. That little baby had power that we can't even comprehend. And that baby has grown up into a man who right now dwells at the right hand of you, Father, who will come back one day. And when he comes back, there are two choices. There is a smile on your face, rejoice for eternity side, or there is a fall down, shake and shiver because you are perishing. God, we thank you for the fact that, that Jesus calls us friend. We thank you for the fact that we can rejoice upon his return. We thank you for the fact that you have an eternity of eternal life and perfection awaiting us, and we can't even fathom how wonderful that will be. But we ask you to give us a reality check as you leave us here on this earth for a time. That you would use us powerfully to go out into the world through your guiding, through the work of the Holy Spirit. That we would allow your light to shine through us and see you do amazing and miraculous and wonderful things. Some of them, God, perhaps even instantaneously and others that we would have the patience and endurance to continue on. But God, help us be a people who live in light of Christmas and understand how much you really do love us and the reality of the fact that we once were perishing, but no more. Now we have eternal life because of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.